0: It's a Wednesday edition of PFT PM. Shireen Williams will be joining me shortly. Everything was fine, but you never know when there's going to be some sort of a technical glitch. You're ready for anything. We're ready to talk football. Week 17 is just a few days away. And then come the playoffs, which begin the following weekend. We're going to get you up to speed on everything you need to know. And you never know, again, when Shireen's going to pop up. uh, And when she does, we will welcome her in. And, Add her to the conversation. The conversation in Buffalo over the past few weeks has been whether or not fans will be allowed to attend playoff games. We were getting to the point where, if it was going to happen, it needed to happen soon because the first playoff game to be hosted by the Buffalo Bills since December 1996 is coming up on January 9 or January 10. The announcement was made today. The Bills will have 6,700 fans at their first playoff game. It's less than 10% capacity. They're concerned about common areas. They're concerned about restrooms. They're concerned about keeping people apart. Every fan will be tested before the game. You have to be negative. There's going to be contact tracing after the game. Masks are required. Physical distancing is required. New York is taking this seriously. But they found a way to let a select few of the Bills' mafia attend the game and i have a feeling that those tickets are going to go for a lot of money but you're not getting in wouldn't that be something you spend a lot of money for the ticket but you don't get in because you tested positive in whatever window the testing requirement will apply and here is josh allen the bills quarterback who has taken to the bills mafia the way that they have taken to him that relationship was even solidified by the donations made during the season when his grandmother Patricia Allen died and all of that money that flowed into Children's Hospital Allen is already committed to being a bill for life the fans love him here's Allen with his message to the bills fan base
1: Bills Matthew what's up I'm
0: excited to let you guys know we are going to be allowed some fans in our first playoff game super excited for it I want to thank all the parties involved obviously the Pagulas, Governor Cuomo everybody else involved thank you so much Please follow guidelines, wear your mask in the stands so we can have you guys for the rest of the way. Go Bills. And the 6,700 fans isn't all that many, but it's still 6,700 fans. It adds some energy and excitement to the stadium. And it's dramatically better than no fans at all. It was T.J. Watt who explained to me. This past weekend, after the Steelers came back and beat the Colts, that they have to constantly come up with their own energy at Heinz Field. That giant, vacant, yellow-seated monstrosity that just looks bizarre with no one there. 6,700 will be enough to generate some energy and get some positivity. And to get some positivity into this show, let's bring in Shereen Williams. Hello, Shereen. The Bills with 6,700 fans, I think a lot more dangerous than the Bills at home with no fans.
2: Yeah, and they've lost one home game this year, Mike, and that was to Kansas City. And they're not obviously not going to play Kansas City at home in the playoffs. But they hope that they end up going to Kansas City to, to the championship game. And to do that, they'll get a hupple, couple of home games, they hope. They get that number two seed and get to host whoever comes to them for the divisional round. So it's big, though. It, it's going to be cold. We We know that. And now there's going to be some noise in there, too. Mike, that's a really tough place to play anyway, but having just 6,700 fans, I think, is going to make it even tougher for whoever has to go in there in whatever rounds.
0: The Bills keeping the cards close to the vest on whether or not they're going to play starters this weekend when a win would nail down the number two seat. A loss by the Steelers would give the Bills the number two seat as well, but there's no guarantee the Steelers are going to lose, even with Mason Rudolph at quarterback because of the ongoing COVID issues with the Cleveland Browns. We'll be talking about that coming up for now, though. The Bills, I continue to believe the most dangerous team currently in the NFL. It could change. And that's one of the reasons why I think they should go all out this weekend. Continue to build momentum. Continue to show everyone else but more importantly yourself that you're a dominant team and you are going into the playoffs on a high note and you are ready to beat anyone you know I think that they are no longer content to just get to the playoffs this is the year they try to take it next level having those fans there Shireen will help the big challenge is can they get back to their fifth Super Bowl now, it would be helpful, number one, if they could avoid the Ravens in the wild card round, which I'm sure they're very cognizant in that possibility. Number two, if someone else would take care of the Chiefs for them so the Bills would have an easier path to the Super Bowl. But I don't think they want easy. I think they want to take on anyone and everyone to show that they've arrived. And I believe as of now, they have. Things can change. But as of right now, if they would play anyone tonight, I think the Bills would beat them.
2: Uh, I think they'd certainly have a good chance, and I'd love to see them match up against Kansas City in the championship game. And, Mike, I have a question for you, and this is an honest question. We've always – all of us over the last, what, week, two weeks, three weeks, however long it's been, have written about – and I know he's the betting favorite – but have written about Aaron Rodgers being the favorite to win the MVP. And it's almost as if it's conceded that he's going to win the MVP, especially with Patrick Mahomes not playing this week. But honest question – Should we not be talking about Josh Allen more in that MVP conversation?
0: Well, you have one of the votes. I don't. So maybe you should be answering the question. I think you're on to something. We get driven by the betting markets now because it's legalized and we've got all the different odds that are out there and it's gotten stronger and stronger skewing toward Aaron Rodgers. It's 50 votes to be cast next week. And what if Josh Allen plays and has another huge game and contributes to knocking the Miami Dolphins out of the playoffs? Will people feel differently when the dust settles on the season? You could make the argument for Josh Allen to be the MVP. It's just never broken through the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers presumption that it's going to be one of them. And if we were looking for someone else to disrupt it, we were looking to other positions. There was a time when it was Dalvin Cook. There was a time when it was Derrick Henry. There's never been that third quarterback other than when it was Russell Wilson early season before he fizzled out and it became Mahomes and Rodgers, Mahomes and Rodgers. So I don't know. You may be onto something. Look, when I yesterday flipped the top two in the power rankings, it was a lightning bolt that hit me out of the blue just as I was getting ready to hit publish. And if others have that same kind of a lightning bolt as they're getting ready to submit their ballot, that maybe it should be Josh Allen and not Aaron Rodgers. I I, I wouldn't be stunned if he gets some votes and I wouldn't be completely blown away. I would be pretty much blown away because the momentum is so strong toward Rodgers. A lot has to be undone at this point. But I don't know. Maybe this conversation is the beginning of getting people to recognize maybe the vote needs to go to Josh Allen.
2: I think the best case you can make for Josh Allen I compared their stats last night and obviously Josh Allen is better in the rushing department and and Aaron Rodgers has more touchdowns all those sorts of things than, than Josh Allen they have the same record their teams have the same record but I think the best case for Josh Allen Mike is the fact that where they've come from since he's been there I mean The Packers were this team last year, right? I mean, they they aren't any different than they were last year. We thought they could win the Super Bowl last year. They went into the playoffs uh, with a high seed. They were a very good team. But the Bills haven't been where they are now for a really long time. And I think Josh Allen is a big reason why they are where they are.
0: And he has tremendously improved this year. He's dramatically better than he was in either of his first two seasons. And one of the things that Sims and I were talking about yesterday on PFT Live, the morning show, was that I almost feel like at some level, at a time when we are bracing for a generation of kids who have grown up mimicking Patrick Mahomes, that Allen, in his NFL career, has mimicked successfully the things that Patrick Mahomes can do. Now, you have to have the agility, the arm strength, the accuracy, and the the willingness the guts to do it but Allen has shown that that it's more than just drop back and throw from you know a standard pocket position it's cross body throws it's all the things that that you aren't supposed to do that only a small handful of guys can get away with and Allen has shown that he's now one of them so I don't know I think That you may be onto something, and nothing against Aaron Rodgers. I don't want anyone to think this is an anti-Aaron Rodgers take. No, it's not. But, but it it has just kind of become a given that it's Rodgers or Mahomes. And when the announcement was made today that Mahomes isn't going to play Week 17, it's like, well, there goes the MVP. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it won't be. This is one of those things that isn't decided on a field. It's decided with a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper, and. We'll find out. And, and the other thing, I don't like it. We don't find out until the night before the Super Bowl at a point we don't care anymore, but we'll find out eventually who wins the MVP. But that's a good thought, and I may have to push that a little bit just, just just for fun and just to see if it can get any traction. One guy that I thought had a chance going into the season to be the MVP, and he would have been the fourth straight second-year quarterback who took the league by storm. It was Carson Wentz, then it was Mahomes, and it was Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, great early in the year. It's fizzled out really since Hale Murray, for the Bills, the the failure to win that game in Arizona sent them in a positive way. Winning the game sent the Cardinals the other way. It didn't help that on that following Thursday night, Kyler Murray injured his shoulder. And after injuring that shoulder, he said he's fine. So I'm skeptical, Shereen. Now that Murray, meeting with reporters today, says he's feeling good and he expects to play on Sunday with a lower leg injury— I don't know how effective he's going to be. I think he's a guy who's wired to play no matter what, even if an injury limits his effectiveness. And I'm concerned if he plays, he's going to be limited. And I think the Cardinals are better off with an X percent Kyler Murray below 100 versus a 100 percent Chris Streveler. But but I just wonder how close Murray's going to be to the guy he usually is.
2: Uh, Absolutely, Mike. And I was going to make that point because when he injured his shoulder, everything was fine. Everything was fine. And even during that streak there, they said everything was fine. And it was just a coincidence that he wasn't running as much as he had in the previous games. I don't think it was a coincidence at all. I think that shoulder really bothered him. He didn't want to take any hits on it. And they limited his running. He stayed in the pocket. Now he can be a pocket passer. I understand. But his legs are what make him special, and now he has this leg injury. So we're going to see, and we're going to see early in that game whether he is the same guy. And I'm with you. I don't think he's taken that next step that I thought he was going to take, especially early uh, in the year. But he still has a chance to get his team in the postseason, which would be a huge step for this team, and get him some playoff experience this year.
0: Yeah, you know, I thought that the Cardinals were on track to have a special season and they were unlocking a new reality for the organization. Then they regressed. And I just can't help but wonder whether with Cliff Kingsbury there as the coach, how they use Kyler Murray, where their defense is, whether or not this is just a team that's destined to be in the vicinity of 500, maybe nine and seven, maybe seven and nine, maybe 10 and six, maybe eight and eight, but never a 12-4, 13-3 juggernaut, and that's going to make it hard to ever get to the Super Bowl and win it. First, got to get to the playoffs this year, and they may not do that, depending upon whether or not they're able to beat the Rams uh, on Sunday. All right, speaking of the Rams, we know they won't have Jared Goff at quarterback. He had thumb surgery on Monday. They also will not have Cooper Cup on Sunday. He was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list yesterday, and... Until you know whether or not it was because of close contact or testing positive, there's a chance he'll be back. Well, reportedly he tested positive, so he won't play this Sunday. And something that Sims and I were talking about today, the idea that it does impact the Rams' offense, because so much of the Rams' offense is run the ball and... Jet sweeps to either of the two top receivers, Cup or Robert Woods, and short passes to either of the top receivers. And Cup is a big part of that. It's Woods and it's Cup. It's Woods and it's Cup. It's one of the reasons why they were able to trade Brandon Cooks and not Bat-Nye, because the offense in the passing game is Woods and Cup. And this is going to be a challenge for Sean McVay. With a backup quarterback, with no Cooper Cup, this is not going to be easy for the Rams to pull off the victory. And for the Rams... You know, it may still all work out because the Bears are going to have a hard time beating the Packers, so the Rams may very well back into the playoffs anyway, but they're going to need Cup back for the postseason. They're going to need Jared Goff back most likely for the postseason, and uh, you know, now again, they, they ha- if the, the Bears would have to beat the Packers to keep the Rams out, so I think the Rams and Cardinals are both going to get in. Because uh, I think the Bears are going to have a hard time beating Green Bay, but the Rams are going to have a hard time beating Arizona without Cooper Cup to go along without uh, having Jared Goff, Shereen,
2: And what about the running backs, Mike? You know, Daryl Henderson's now an IR with that high ankle sprain and Cam Akers didn't play last week with the high ankle sprain and probably not going to play this week. I would think he would st- still be held out. But you're right. I think they still make the postseason, but this is going to be a team reeling going into the postseason and without a bunch of their big parts because we know, well, they think Jared Goff can come back. Do we think he can come back? Probably not. I don't think he's going to play in that playoff game. This may be a one and done team. That's at least what it's looking like to me right now. And it only two, three weeks ago before they they lost the Jets. I was looking this as a potential team to go into the playoffs and do some damage and maybe get to the championship game because of the way that defense plays. If Goff didn't turn over the ball and now they just look nothing like Super Bowl contenders through no fault of their own with the injuries, but even with Goff, they didn't look like that team losing to the Jets.
0: And the better they play without Goff, the more questions will emerge as to whether or not. They paid Goff way too much money. I was thinking Rams-Saints potential NFC championship again like two years ago. It could be Rams-Saints in the Wild Card round. We'll see how that all plays out this weekend. Let's take a break. Coming up later in the program, it's our Wednesday edition of Football Pod in America. We're going to answer some questions as well. Before that, though, quick break, and we'll continue to hit some of the news of the day right here on PFT PM. We'll be right back. lines coming out of a busy Wednesday in the National Football League and this morning I felt Shireen like we were slipping into that Ravens territory where every day you brace for the next round of reports of positive results and guys who were close contacts and the outbreak spreads and spreads the NFL said on a conference call today it's not an outbreak it's just guys who are getting it in the community so the facility was closed for a while today but they ultimately reopened and had practice. So everything's on track for Brown Steelers on Sunday. And that is huge because this isn't like a normal week where you can bump to Monday or Tuesday when you've got the playoffs coming up the following weekend. You don't want to have a team with limited time to get ready for their playoff games. So they're going to get this game in no matter what. And for now, the indication is there isn't the kind of outbreak that would derail the game on Sunday. And that was very good news.
2: Yeah, and Mike, I was on the PA call yesterday, and they made the point that the playoffs is going to be the same. Games are not going to be rescheduled for competitive reasons, only for medical reasons. And this is the case here for the Browns. Unfortunately, they only had one receiver off their 53-player roster last week available. This week, they're going to be missing some guys again. That's too bad. Go play the game. And this one's going to be played, it looks like, Mike.
0: We're seeing the post-Christmas possible uh, surge in positives from Browns players like we thought would happen after Thanksgiving. But the NFL's protocols swoop in, pluck those guys out of the facility before they can infect someone else. That is the key, and that's what's going on in Cleveland. For the Washington football team, I thought they were extremely optimistic Alex Smith would be able to play this weekend, as evidenced by the decision to dump Dwayne Haskins. As it stands, Taylor Heineke taking the first team reps at practice today Starting quarterback not named for Sunday night. Wednesday's the major day of work in advance of that Sunday game. Washington uh, visiting the Eagles on Sunday night football, the last game of the season. I think reason for concern if you don't have Alex Smith. I'm not sure I believe in Taylor Heineke as a guy who can deliver the victory and the division title.
2: One career start for him, Mike, and it was with Ron Rivera in Carolina in 2018, but they lost that game in convincing fashion to Atlanta. So, yeah, he doesn't have m- much experience. They want Alex Smith in there, and I think it completely changed, changes things, although I think Alex Smith needs to practice this week. Washington said they could go without him practicing and have him play in the game, and that certainly would be better than the alternative, but I still think he needs to practice this week, having missed the last two games with that calf injury.
0: I agree with you completely. And look, this is all I'm going to say about it. If you're going to have guys like Taylor Heineke, John Wolford, Chris Streveler as your backup yep. in a game with the season riding on it, you get what you deserve. I'll do respect to those guys, but you get what you deserve, especially when there's been out there for four years, a guy named Colin Kaepernick who can't get a sniff. So a sniff, you get what you deserve. All right. Uh, the Colts, they will not have Anthony Costanzo, their left tackle. He's done For the year with ankle surgery, that's not good news for the Colts this weekend as they try to qualify for the postseason. And it could be bad news for the Colts if they get in. They are the one team that could finish 11 and five as they see a possible eight and eight team make it as a wild card in the NFC and a possible six and ten team make it as a division title. 11 and five could get them shut out. The first team since. The field was expanded in 1990 to six, the second team rather, to not make it at 11 and five. The Patriots in 2008 failed to do it. And uh, look, it, it doesn't help the Colts that, that uh, the Steelers are calling off the dogs. It won't help the Colts if the Buffalo Bills don't go for the win against the Miami Dolphins. And uh, I think they should be able to beat the Jaguars, but they also may see all those other teams win and knock the Colts out, Shereen, at 11 and five
2: that's exactly right, Mike. And, and I think we saw evidence of what went on in that offensive line on Sunday. You, you pointed it out. One of the big disappointments in that game against the Steelers was the offensive line. They'd given up 14 sacks all season without Costanzo in there. They gave up five in that one game and I realize how good the Steelers are, but still, they gave up five sacks. And now Will Holden, who actually started for Costanzo against the Steelers, is out. So they're going to have some moves to make. And I know, having watched Chaz Green against Atlanta a couple years ago for the Cowboys that Philip Rivers does not want Chaz Green blocking protecting his blind side he would much rather had Quentin Nelson and I think that's probably what they end up doing is moving Quentin Nelson over there but now you've got all these moving parts in your offensive line and that's really been the steady influence of that offense this season has been that offensive line and now it's kind of in disarray heading into the important stretch of the season.
0: And speaking of Philip Rivers, if the Colts don't make it to the playoffs, it will be the last game of his first year with the Colts, and it possibly will be his last game at all with the Colts or any other team. Here's Philip Rivers acknowledging that he has given some thought to the possibility that this could be the end of the road.
1: It crossed my mind. I don't think it'll be something I think about all week. It did cross my mind. I go shoot, you know things don't go the way you want this weekend and who knows what happens. I guess it could, I guess, I guess it's, I, and I guess it's probably healthy to have that At least to have that thought that, uh, cause no, you're not guaranteed you anything moving forward.
0: Well, it's healthy to have that thought because number one, you want to appreciate and enjoy it if it is indeed your last game. And maybe it gives you an extra little level of motivation. Not that he's a guy who is prone to having, periods of time where he doesn't try very hard but yeah you want to be aware of it because if the Colts don't make the playoffs especially if they would lose what what an ugly bookend of the season you start with a loss to the Jaguars you end with a loss to the Jaguars the only two wins of the season for Jacksonville but if they don't make it to the playoffs I don't know how you bring Philip Rivers back you could make the argument if they go 11 and 5 and don't make it but even if they don't make it at 11 and 5 I I, I think that the, that the Colts would rather move forward with someone younger, whether it's Carson Wentz, who has that connection to Frank Reich or someone else. So I can see why Rivers would would entertain the possibility that, number one, the Colts aren't going to want him next year. Number two, no one else is going to want him. I was surprised the Colts were so willing to make him a starter, no questions asked, and pay him $25 million. One year later, one year older, one failure on top of the failures in San Diego and L.A. to, to be as good as the team could be, and, and I... I think he will have a hard time finding a landing spot, Shireen.
2: Yeah, Mike, he's 39. He needs off-season surgery, and he's going to be a free agent in March. So there certainly are questions. I was more surprised a couple weeks ago when Rivers and the team sounded like, yeah, we want him back, and he sounded like, yeah, I want to go back, and now things have changed. But I'm with you. I think he's far more likely to go back to that team if they make the playoffs. If they don't, I think the Colts start looking elsewhere for another quarterback, whether it is Wentz or somebody else.
0: Yeah, I think the Frank Wright comment from a few weeks ago about Rivers coming back for next year was timed to match the start of the rumors of Carson Wentz because the Colts want to have some good trade leverage. So one way you have trade leverage is say, oh, we're going to have Phillip Rivers next year. We don't need Carson Wentz. We need to take a break. When we return, we'll answer some of your best questions. The final PFTPM mailbag of 2020 is next here on PFTPM. We'll be right back. All right, before Football Pod in America gets rolling, let's answer some questions. We're going to get right to it, Tireen. At Stafford to Denver. Gee, I wonder what this question is going to be. Will Matthew Stafford be traded? The Broncos need a new quarterback and have a ton of young, talented weapons. Vic Fangio and John Elway have a playoff mandate next season, and Stafford makes the Broncos a playoff team. Now, first of all, I don't know that John Elway has a playoff mandate. John Elway's not going anywhere until they resolve the ownership situation. So as long as that lingers, Elway is safe. But, hey, we saw what they did with Peyton Manning. I'm intrigued by the possibility that number one, Matthew Stafford is available, and number two, he makes a beeline to Denver just like Peyton Manning did eight years ago. What it's going to be actually nine years ago that Peyton Manning joined the Broncos.
2: Uh it's it's the only great move that John Elway has made as GM at the quarterback position, right? I mean, he can't draft them. He hasn't signed anybody else that's coming and done it. And Drew Locke doesn't look like the answer. And, Mike, I thought last year, I think Locke went 5-0 and last year. I really thought he was going to take that next step this year, playing more, and he hasn't. The only guy with a lower passer rating than Drew Locke is Sam Darnold. So he's not the answer, and I don't think he's going to be the answer. I think you've seen enough to know that. So I am very intrigued by this possibility. I think it would be the most sure thing that John Elway has gotten since Peyton Manning.
0: Yeah, lack of durability and lack of effectiveness combined to create a toxic stew for Drew Locke. I was all in with him. I thought this would be the year. It isn't, and you don't get the luxury of four, five, six years for it to work anymore in the NFL, especially when there's plenty of other veteran options. And there are now every year because teams recognize they can find a young quarterback and hope that they hit on a first, second round draft pick. All right. Next one comes from Gong Show West. If you were the GM building a team and your only choices at quarterback were Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo, who would you sign? Wow. I. <sighs> Uh, Look, here's my concern about Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo is a better quarterback, but this gets back to the Drew Locke conversation. You have to stay healthy. And I don't care what excuse or explanation you have for your various injuries. There's a point... Where you get injured so often, there's something missing in you. There's a lack of awareness. There's a lack of savvy. There's a a lack of intelligence not to drop your shoulder and try to be a tough guy with the defensive back on the sideline and tear your ACL. I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to be on the field for 16 games. The year he was, hey, Super Bowl. But he's played one full season in his career. That's not good enough to get me to put faith in him. For Goff, I I just, I'm sorry. I don't, I hate to be this way. I still don't get it with goth I've never gotten it with goth. he's kind of gangly and uh, yeah uncoordinated and he's got that weird throwing motion and hey he's making thirty three and a half million dollars a year, so you know uh, more power to him, but I just don't get it with Goth with Garoppolo. I at least understand what he can do when he's healthy so i would I would take my chances with Garoppolo and I would hire some sort of separate coach just to get him, whether it's through hypnosis or whatever. To try to avoid getting injured, and I guess I would take my shot with him although i i I frankly would want neither of them to be my franchise guy.
2: well, that's what I was going to say. I think I'd quit if those were my only two choices <laughs> at that point,
0: <laughs> but I would take Jimmy
2: G over golf just because I think he's a better quarterback
0: uh all right let's uh let's cram in another question or two here before we go. Art Jr. Zero, will Anthony Lynn secure his job with a win against the Chiefs this Sunday, or is it a conclusion that he is gone, Shereen? Three wins in a row, could finish the season with four in a row. Is that enough to save him?
2: Well, you just look at how many problems they've had this year, Mike, with clock management, game management, strategy you know changing things uh and and all the blown leads they've had and i don't know that that's gonna change i mean anthony lynn was responsible for all of those things and he didn't fix it this year so as much as we all love anthony lynn and i know the organization loves him i think it's probably time to go at 32 and 31 and 11 and 20 over the last two seasons
0: yeah, as much as I respect him and personally like him, I, I agree with you. And when you have that young franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, it puts you in a position where you can be choosy about who your coach is going to be. All right, one more. Big Daddy Bustard. Who is New England's starting quarterback next year, and where is Josh McDaniels coaching, Shereen?
2: I think Josh McDaniels is back. I don't think anyone hires him. Uh, and I do think they have a different quarterback. I don't know who that's going to be, but I don't think he's on their roster right now. And I think we figured out, Mike, what New England thinks about Jarrett Stidham by the fact that he's not starting games right now for the Patriots. I
0: think McDaniel's will be back. His his decision to jilt the Colts, I think, has slammed the door on him at least for now as being a head coaching candidate. And I think it's going to be Cam Newton. And my suggestion to the Patriots is don't be coy about it. Don't let it play out and see that no one else is interested and maybe drive a hard bargain and get him for a bargain basement contract. Give him a fair contract, get him signed, and give him a full year to better learn that offense and help your team. we got to take a break. Football Pod in America is next here on PFTPM.
3: All right, glad you are with us as we get you set for Week 17. We will not talk about the Jets, New England. We're not going to talk about Vegas, Denver. We're not going to talk about the Chargers in Kansas City, Minnesota, Detroit. Those are the only four games that don't matter. The good news is we've got a dozen games on the last Sunday of the season. That matters. So we'll be busy. Football night's going to be it's going to be a, a three ring circus getting the show on the air. But we'll have a lot of fun. Of course, Rodney, Tony, and Mike Florio and Mike TARICO with you here now. Uh, Mike Florio, I'm going to I'm going to start with you, and I want to start with Pittsburgh and that news that they're going to rest Ben Roethlisberger here in Week 17 against Cleveland when they could become a two seed. The sign is we'd rather be healthy as opposed to be the three to be the two seed and may cost them a home playoff game in the second round. Your thoughts on the reaction from Pittsburgh and that announcement from Mike Tomlin.
0: Well, you know, this is a calculated decision that Mike Tomlin had to make over what you prioritize. And when you consider everything his team has been through this year from the standpoint of the bye week that that was postponed or not postponed but actually canceled because they got ready for the Titans week 4, then they didn't play the Titans week 4, then their bye week week 7 became the Titans game and then with the Thanksgiving game they got moved 6 days. They haven't really had a break. And when you throw on top of it the conflicting information about whether and to what extent Ben Roethlisberger has a knee injury, at a minimum it makes sense to give him a break, understanding that yeah, if we get to the divisional round, we may have to go to Buffalo, but if we don't give some of these guys a break, we may not get to the divisional round. And I think that's the analysis Mike Tomlin engaged in. And, and look, there's still a chance, I guess, that they could beat the Browns without Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, not a great chance, but, but I, I respect what Tomlin's doing because he's got some guys who desperately need a bit of a break going into the postseason.
1: Yeah, and you hit it, Mike, a calculation. And I, I know that's what Mike Tomlin is sitting there doing. Hey, we can go all out. It would be great to be the number two seed. But is Miami really going to be able to go in the cold and beat Buffalo? Uh, If they don't (laughs) do that, then it doesn't matter to us. So why take that risk? Why not get ourselves ready? If by some chance Miami beats Buffalo, we missed out on it. We've just got to win on the road instead of at home two weeks from now.
4: Yeah, guys, I think this is a smart move by Mike Tomlin. Any anytime you get an opportunity to rest your players and allow them to just get that recovery, it's huge, especially an old quarterback. I mean, you look on a de- um, def- defensive side, they've had some injuries, and it's nothing like, and you can ask Coach Dungy, it's nothing like being able to get that extra week's rest off, and it just rejuvenates, it just refreshes everyone, Mike.
3: I just hear you two guys have experienced it so often. Uh, Rodney, I'll come right back to you on the Buffalo part of this equation. They look so good Monday in New England. I mean, Bills fans, that game could have lasted eight hours because it was 20 years of watching the Patriots beat up on them. They seem to be enjoying that moment. Do you see, Rodney, a team over the last couple of weeks on national TV that's getting comfortable with everybody knowing they're a pretty good team and maybe they're more ready for the playoff stage now than they were the last couple of years?
4: Yeah, very comfortable, Mike, and actually embracing just all the success, but doing it in a very humble way. You saw um, just the way Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and just how everyone talks about each other. No one really t- says, hey, it's all me. They're always deflecting the tension off to their, their teammates. So I like what Buffalo's doing. I thought the defense has been a lot more aggressive. Leslie Frazier's done a really wonderful job, and no one's really talking about Leslie Frazier, the, the job that he's done the last month of the season, Coach
1: you're right and they've had to really uh recover on defense and replace some people and they've done it and their defense is playing much better than they were at the beginning of the year and to me that's going to be the key they're going to score points and can they stop people in the critical times and they're showing more signs of that so they're they're very dangerous in my opinion
0: and i think for that reason they need to keep the pedal to the metal you know there's Uh, an unknown at this point what the bills are going to do this weekend and i I kind of think that that both the bills and the steelers aren't thrilled about the prospect of being the two seed if it means facing baltimore right out of the gates but i like the idea of the bills continuing to push and push and push since the bye week since the Hale murray game they have become a different team They've now won five in a row, all by double digits. They've been dominant the last two games. And I think that convincing themselves that they're dominant, convincing their opponents that they're dominant, I think that's a key to having success in January, especially if they cross paths with the Chiefs.
4: I just say this one thing. Good. No, I just say this is a team that really doesn't lack confidence. If you have an opportunity to get that week off, I mean, they've been grinding. I mean, not just physically or just mentally, but dealing with the whole COVID thing. So anytime you get an opportunity to let those guys rest, especially seeing Jordan Poyer, um, basically get carried off the field on Monday. Matt Milano had some issues. You know, he's come back. He's healthy. If you can give those defensive players that have played so hard and so tough in some of those offensive linemen, if you can give them an opportunity to rest before you go into the playoffs and that rest, that one week feels like an eternity when you've gone through everything that these guys have gone through from all the testing, from all the d- different challenges, them not being able to spend time with their their families and so many of them sacrificing so much, I think you just have to give, give them a break, Mike, and just say, you know what, whoever is the number two seed, whoever we play, we just have to line up and play.
3: It's a good point. Mike, you bring that up as well. Does Buffalo keep the pedal down, or do they rest guys? Cole Beasley hurt. He's week to week. Tony, there are a whole bunch of scenarios. This whole color-coded chart, these are all the <laughs> scenarios for who can be the seven seed, right? So you're not going to know until the game's going on what's going to happen. Tony would you have and we have the games played simultaneously which is a lot of fun would you have somebody in the box letting you know as the head coach hey coach Pittsburgh is down big and they're just running the ball so it looks like they're laying down if you were Sean McDermott would you want that information in game
1: you you do want that information but you don't want your players to get it and, and you don't want them to have it because uh, that's what you would do hey It doesn't matter now at this point. Pittsburgh is not going to win this game. We can take our guys out now. We don't have to take that risk at the end. Uh, You can make that decision on your own, but you don't want your players to know. I remember we were in Tampa, and we were scoreboard watching, and I had the people take not show the scores on the screen and my boys were on the sideline telling the players. So they're, they're losing uh, L.A. We're in good shape. I'm like, come on, man.
0: So it, it's going to happen. That's a great story. It, it, in this day and age,
1: it, it happens. You got to just remind them, Hey, focus on what we do.
4: And you know what coach um, coach Belichick used to always tell us, and he would be dead serious. He says, guys, when I walk on that sideline, I want everybody ready to play. I don't want to see any helmets, any baseball hats, any shoulder pads off. You better be ready to play or you're going to get a big fine. (laughs) So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Coach. Be ready to play.
3: Rodney, did you ever scoreboard watch during a game?
4: I didn't, Mike. I I really just paid attention to what I have to do and try to take care of business the way we need to take care of business. Everything else will work itself out.
3: I I figured that was going to be the answer. Mike Flory, I just thought of this with the whole scoreboard watching deal. It's different now. It's not like you have to put the scores up for the fans, right? In many of these places, not all, but many of the games that are going to be played Sunday, there are no fans. So you really, as the home coach, have great control over the information getting or not getting to your teams in a situation like this.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with Coach Dungy's approach. You want to know so you can make big-picture decisions. You can decide who to take out, who to put in, and ideally you don't want your players to know, but, but how do they not know? At a minimum at halftime, you know guys are going to be turning their phones on in their lockers and checking the scores of the other games, and there's going to be somebody down there, whether it's kids of the coach or whoever, who knows what's going on, and they're going to be telling the guys as the game unfolds what, what, what really happened. So at that point, you may as well just put the scores up even if fans aren't there.
3: That's my favorite story. I love that, Tony. What about the Tua conversation with Fitzpatrick in Buffalo, for uh, in Miami for the game in Buffalo on Sunday? Do you like the decision that was made right out of the gate by Brian Flores, announcing it Saturday night, not letting it fester, and this is the way we're going to go?
1: I absolutely do, and I think it's the right decision. Tua Tonga Vailoa has some growing to do, and there's situations where he's not going to be at his best. Ryan fit- Fitzpatrick to their uh, benefit functions well in those situations. So I would start to uh, every week, you know, pe- people have to plan for him and the things that he does. Now, if I fall behind or if it's sputtering or I need that one drive, Ryan has shown he can go in there and create it right away. So I think they've got the best of all worlds and more than anything, the team is on board and Ryan Fitzpatrick is on board with that.
4: Yeah, and I, I just believe they absolutely trust Brian Flores and whatever he, he says. And if you're too, I mean, if you're two and you get an opportunity as a coach to give him that experience and see how well he does in that playoff atmosphere. That's huge. That's experience. Those are reps that he gets. and moving forward, like coach said, if he struggles, then you could put Fitzpatrick in there and then see what happens. But I just love the fact that this young player, this young quarterback, gets to get some of those playoff type caliber reps.
0: And in this climate with so many coaches in the mix for Coach of the Year, how do you not give Brian Flores extra credit for coming up with a way to make this work? Tua doesn't Mm -hmm. complain about getting benched. Fitzpatrick doesn't complain about not being the starter when he's the one who's saving the bacon. No one in the locker room is talking on or off the record about any disagreement with anything that's happening. Brian Flores has full and complete control of this team, controls the message, makes the decisions. I don't think this is sustainable into next year, but they found the right balance, and it's working, and that's a testament to Flores.
3: Yeah, I did my tentative ballot, Mike. i just like to do it the week before, And then take a look at it during the week and then make your final decisions after Sunday and I was sitting there going boy the Ron Rivera story if Washington wins is so great but how do you deny what Flores has done when you think about where this team was how bad they were a year and a half ago tank for Tua, all this stuff. And look at how it's worked out and the ability to manage the team through all this. Mika Fitzpatrick, an all-pro safety, traded, out the door, playing well against, uh, for Pittsburgh. You may see him in the playoffs, yet they're still performing at every level in this Miami team.
4: Uh, who's hey, the Tariqo, team, guy? Can I just ask you a quick, can I just yeah, ask you a quick sure. question, Tariqo? Um, of course. It's- yeah. And Brian Flores probably is number two guy, but I just don't think and how could he become number, you know, ahead of um, um, Kevin Stefanski? Kevin Stefanski. I mean, you look at what the Browns were last year. I mean, they were a total disaster. We never thought they would even have an opportunity this year to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. and the job that he's done and he's been quiet. He's been humble, but he's just been a football coach. And as much as Brian Flores and I was with him in New England, I admire what he's accomplished. But Kevin Stefanski, hands down, for everything that he had to deal with this year and turn around and and to change a culture so quickly in the NFL locker room, to me, he's just done an outstanding job. And, and I think he should be coach of the year. Just my, my humble it, opinion. It,
3: it it It's a great point. I, I, I was making a legitimate argument for about five different guys. Tony, go ahead.
1: I, I love what Kevin has done, changing the culture there. I think he's been great. But I go back to your point, Mike. At this time last year, a year ago, so you take in a year and a half, Laramie Tumsil, he's gone now, our best offensive player. Minka Fitzpatrick, our best defensive player. Um, And and people are saying, gosh, does anybody want to be there? And what is our front office doing? And Brian just kept saying, we have a plan. We know what we're doing, and people have bought into it. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's. Interview after the game when they were trying to bait him into saying, "I want to start and I should be the starter," and he said, "You know what, Coach Flores is going to make that decision, and whatever he decides is going to be the right decision, and we are all on board with it." I thought that that was a it just warmed my heart to hear him say that.
4: What about
3: glad what you about CoCo well, the year? Well,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I know, you know,
3: you, you split your vote. It, 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 it's tough to kind of split your vote. And it, it's odd because you only vote for first place. It's a conversation maybe we'll get into next week. But like the MVP vote, when you have an MVP vote, you only get first place. It's the only major sports MVP where you can't go first, second, third. I wish you could go first, second, third, because now you're asking people to pick between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Really? Mm. How, how do you? You can say one's first, but you, you want to have somewhere in your ballot. So when all that conversation came up in October, you know, Russell Wilson's never received it, even one vote for MVP. There's a reason, because in all the years that he had a chance to be the MVP, for most, there was a clear-cut number one choice. So that was a, a silly conversation. All right, can I ask you guys real quick, who's going to be out in the AFC? Who's not going to make it? Which team Whoa. will be left on the outside? Oh, hang on, Rodney. I don't, I know it's I'm a sorry. tough question. It's not that hard. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, then I'll start. You're, you're a little flustered, so I'm going to come to you. Who's the team that's going to be out in the AFC,
4: Rodney? <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's the Indianapolis Colts. I just I just think that um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I mean, not Baltimore, but who's the other team? The Buffalo Bills will rest their players. And I just think, you know, the, the Indianapolis Colts had an opportunity. They stopped running the ball. The defense couldn't stop anybody in the second half. And I think... Unfortunately, they've had an outstanding year. I think they're going to be on outs. Tony?
1: Well, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins. I think that number two seed is very important to Buffalo. I think they want to play at home against Pittsburgh if it comes down to that. And as Rodney, you remind me over and over again, I've taken warm weather teams up there (laughs) in December, and we have... (laughs) shivered and not played our best and I can see Miami going up there with all good intentions and going to Buffalo in 10 degrees and not playing their best Indianapolis is going to beat Jacksonville so uh, I think it's going to be Miami all
0: right Mike. And I agree with Coach. I think it's going to be Miami because I think the Bills are going to win that game. But if the Bills pull their starters and Miami wins, you know, all these teams at 10 and 6 could win. And it would be the Colts at 11 and 5 that don't make it. Who would have dreamed that a team doesn't make it at 11 and 5 with seven spots available? But uh, and, and then in the NFC, you could have a team at, at 8 and 8 that gets in. So uh, that's going to happen no, potentially not eight, every eight. year. But it would be bad for the Colts. Not well, not eight, as, eight, a card, as a wild card. As a wild card. I mean it's oh, a wild, wild card. card. Okay. 6 and 10. Yeah. You could have a team get in as 6 and 10 if the Giants end I'm up thinking. pulling it off.
3: That's what I'm thinking. Can you imagine if you're Indianapolis and you're 11 and 5 and everybody wins and you're out of the playoffs. And then you turn on the TV next weekend and a team that won 5 fewer games than you, 6 and 10 is in the postseason. That's going to be hard to stomach. And by the way, we've said it once, we'll say it a thousand times, we cannot let these 6 and 10 teams host playoff games. If there's more than a two-game difference, the other team has to host. Uh, Tampa, in all likelihood, will be going to a 6-10 and or a 7-9 and win team. I know you won the division. Mike Tarico for commissioner. A home playoff game. No, no, I'm good, thank you. I'll take the salary, but I'm good with everything else. Hey, uh, let, let me ask you guys about the Rams-Arizona game for a second, because you, you look at this, and all of a sudden you're going to see John Wolford playing quarterback Tony week 17, and you have to go with a quarterback who has never thrown a pass in the NFL. How does Sean McVay tackle this one?
1: You go, uh, Chuck Knoll, he was in that situation. Mike uh, Florio will remember it well in 1974. And he said, we're going to run the ball and play defense. And that's what you have to do. And if the g- game comes down to that, if Kyler Murray's limited or can't go, mm-hmm. then Arizona will be in the same boat. And I would put a little more stock in, in uh L.A. at that point if it comes down to two teams running the ball and playing defense but I, I think that's what it's going to be
4: yeah if you're the Rams defensively you have to just try to try to figure out a way to come up with a couple um, turnovers try to score on defense Aaron Donald those guys Jalen Ramsey they're going to have to just step up and play you, you know your offense is down you don't have your starting quarterback you're missing two of your your running backs um, you're going to have to score on, def- on, on the defensive side of the ball
0: And, look, John Wolford is on that team for a reason. They could have brought back Blake Bortles. They could have signed some other quarterback if they wanted to. They went with John Wolford. He's been there all year. He knows the offense. Sean McVay believes in him. And if we believe that McVay is the genius that he has proven to be, we got to defer to his choice at quarterback, at backup quarterback. And I think that Wolford, as that guy that McVay has taught and instructed, and is guiding through you know the the speaker in his helmet every play what to do and how to do it i think the rams will be fine and and here's the problem for the rams if they're fine with john Walford, you're gonna have more and more people saying why did you give all that money to jared god <laughs> <laughs> yes you will yes, that you could will. be the arizona hot shots. they go out
1: and win and he does it well
0: that's right what
3: do you do for the playoff game the next week the arizona hot shots have never gotten more attention and love than they have this past week it's funny guys I, I, I was looking back at a Wake Forest Notre Dame game that we did three years ago and the two quarterbacks at Wake Forest were Wolford the starter and Kendall Hinton the backup and Hinton's the one who played for the Broncos when their quarterback who would have known that the Wake Forest one and two quarterbacks would become a significant part <laughs> that's how crazy this NFL season has been Chicago Rodney we laughed on the set who would have thought you say Chicago's got one of the hot offenses in all the NFL right now they're playing Green Bay. They're playing a much better team than they have the last four weeks. This week, can they ride that momentum at Soldier Field and get themselves into the playoffs?
4: No, no. The, the okay. Green Bay Green Bay <laughs> wants that number one seed. They want the number one seed. I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, yeah. you, you're forty some years old, man. You want that number one seed. You don't work this hard to get to to the point in Week 17. You're playing against the Chicago Bears and you lose to the Chicago Bears. That's just not going to happen. I don't see that happening. That that buy is so important. Like I said before, like I said earlier in the show, it feels like an eternity because now your body's recovered, your mind, and you're ready to play. So I, I don't see Aaron Rodgers losing to the Chicago Bears. I don't care what type of momentum they have.
1: <laughs> Aaron will drive these guys, but Rodney, they still are going to have to overcome human nature. We just killed this team by 15 points we they're they're not as good as we are and um, Green Bay is going to have to overcome that Chicago is better than when we saw them on Sunday night Green Bay is very good Green Bay should win it but there's that just emotional effect that hey you know we, we can handle these guys we're going to be fine
0: you know and I, even see, though the Packers I, are 25 and go ahead Rodney
4: no I'm just saying it even look though the, at Packers, the, the Packers go ahead Mike
0: even though the Packers are twenty-five and six under Matt LaFleur, and he's a guy that could be on that ballot as well for coach of the year, we just take for granted yes, that he's gonna make this team thirteen and three. Um, they have the potential out of the blue to have one of these games where everyone's scratching their head saying, what happened to the Packers today? Where was their energy? What went on? And you'll hear Matt, uh, Aaron Rodgers talk about it after the game. I don't know what happened. And and I'm always watching for that next, I don't know what happened game from the Green Bay Packers. So I can never rule it out. And, and uh, Coach, like you said, they beat the Bears easily the last time around. This could be one of those pothole games for the Packers. And the next thing you know, they don't have the top seed. I'd like to think that what they did in the snow to the Titans will be all the incentive they need to go to – Soldier Field take care of business so the road to the Super Bowl goes Mm -hmm. through Lambeau Field
4: are you guys nuts are you guys nuts so all of a sudden because they beat the Chicago Bears earlier this year and they beat them you know convincingly now all of a sudden they're going to get to week 17 with the number one seed on the line and all of all of a sudden they're going to say you know what? we're complacent we're not going to go these guys are hungry. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, these guys are hungry. Now you add in AJ Dillon in the mix. It just and he's gonna be a great compliment to Aaron Jones. I think you guys are just flat out wrong. This is a very mature team. And Aaron Rodgers knows that his window of opportunity is closing. That's why he keeps talking about these MVPs and how important they are. I just I don't I don't I believe that this is a very mature team. They got great leadership, and I just believe that they're gonna come out and they're gonna give it to the Chicago Bears.
3: There are still the scenarios where Chicago gets in the playoffs if they lose this game which is probably the most likely scenario if that's the case what a fascinating week or two of conversation that will be around the Bears because they got in the playoffs they rallied from a very poor record to get in and the question Mike Florio is going to be what do you do now with all the decisions that have to be made regarding GM head coach and quarterback if this is in fact a playoff team which they, they very well could be even if they lose to Green Bay
0: And I think they've done enough to keep Ryan Pace at GM and Matt Nagy at head coach for another season. I still wonder why Ted Phillips' name as the president of the team doesn't come up more often. He's been there 20 years. He's the one common link through the underachievement the team has had for the most part. But Trubisky is going to be the key because they didn't exercise the fifth-year option. He's headed for free agency, and if they play in January and other teams get a chance to see him and he plays well, that's when, that's when that market could start to bubble up for his services, and the Bears could end up having to pay more than they want to pay to keep him around, or, or rip up the uh, the roster at the at least at the quarterback position and start over again next year.
3: All right. So who's out? Arizona, the Rams, or Chicago?
1: I think Arizona's going to be out. I think they're going to struggle with Kyler Murray being limited playing against that defense. I, I think they're going to mm-hmm. struggle.
4: I agree right. with you, Coach. I yeah. agree with Coach.
1: Mike?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be Arizona. It may be Chris Streveler. Chris Streveler, CFL Chris legend, <laughs> dual threat quarterback, here, which means he's not a very good passer. Chris Streveler at quarterback potentially. But I, I just, Arizona gave us a glimpse of what they could be but they've kind of regressed mm-hmm. to this 500-level team. And, and I fear that that's all they're going to be without some sort of a major upgrade, maybe defensively, maybe change things up offensively, use Kyler Murray a little bit differently. But I they, they, they disappointed me the most. For as good as the Bills have been since the Hale Murray game, the Cardinals are the ones that went the other way.
3: Don't doubt the NFC, the Conference of Championship Quarterbacks. Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, Wilson, and won, won the Great Cup, right? <laughs> Championship quarterbacks reside in the NFC. So don't count them out. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Be safe. We will see you for a fun Week 17.
4: Happy New Year,
1: guys. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. good Happy, happy new, new Year, year everybody.